Okay, let's pray. Um, <laughs> Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for this time today. And um, such a beautiful sunny day we have outside. And yet we can be together in your presence. And we can learn more of you, Lord. And we pray um, for this session, God, that you would speak to our hearts. That you would, um, by your spirit, do what you want to do in us, Lord. Let your word speak to our hearts. Let it um, prick our hearts and pierce us, Lord, where we might need to be uh, reminded of certain things in our lives. And um, we just pray that you would be glorified and that what we hear from you today would stay with us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I am Margie Stewart, and um, the topic for our workshop today is Standing Fast, Standing Firm in Conflict. Which, you have to go through it in order to be able to teach it. So, <laughs> ever since the topic was given, boy, it's been like one conflict after another. Um, and I can praise God for it today. I couldn't, I couldn't praise God for him while I was going through it. But um, it is such an important topic because when we're learning how to stand fast, when we're thinking about, you know, standing firm in the Word of God. We have so many different things that are coming after us in life, all different kinds of conflicts, all different kinds of things in the world, good and not so good, that are vying for our attention. And we need to learn how to just keep our focus. You know, the Lord says, um, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but this is the way and walk in it. And so that's what we want to learn about this morning. Um, our theme verse for today is Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In another version, Paul starts this statement out by saying, above all, above everything else that I've been talking to you about, this is the most important thing. And here, when Paul is talking about this, he's sitting in a prison cell. He's sitting in prison, and yet his mind and his focus isn't upon himself. It's not on poor me. Woe is me. All I was doing is what God called me to do. And now I'm stuck in a prison cell, and how unfair is that? No, Paul's attention, as he sits there and he thinks about his life, as he thinks about his Christian walk so far, what has been going on in his life, what is important, and what is not important. He takes time and considers, what shall I pray about? What shall I speak to the church in Philippi? And so... I can just picture Paul's heart. You know, he, he does have that father's heart. He has that heart that really wants to invest time and energy into this church, all the churches that he writes to. But right now he's talking to the Philippians and he's asking the Lord, what do you want me to say to them? What do you think is important, Lord, that I would remind them of? 
And we see steadfastness. These are the things that the Lord is showing him. Steadfastness, walking worthy of the gospel and the body of Christ. The body of Christ, Not we're all individuals, but together we make up the body of Christ. And it's Paul's heart that we would come together, that we would love the Lord together, that we would serve the Lord together, that we could we'd commune together for the sake of the gospel. And Paul reminds the Philippians, and he reminds us as we read it, that not only are we citizens of this earth, you know, we all have our um, U.S. citizenship, but we also have a better citizenship, and that is heaven. We're all, as believers in Christ, citizens of heaven. And we're, when we're a citizen of a place, we represent that place. My husband and... Uh, my dear daughter and my other daughters, they have dual citizenships. They have uh, U.S. citizenship and they have Italian citizenship. And a lot of people in life think that that's the best citizenship to have is Italian. If you, go, if you live over there like we did, it's like they won't uh, think anything about you. But it, and as soon as they hear that you have Italian blood, you're paisano, you know, you're, you're one of them. And so they hold their citizenship dear to them. But we know as believers, we know as Christians, as God's daughters, there's no other citizenship that's better than being um, a citizenship, a citizen of heaven. But with that, we have responsibilities. You know, we can't just act. We have to represent Christ. We have to represent what his word tells us. And so we can't just respond to situations. We can, but it's not correct. I mean, I respond horribly every single time until after you know a while and it takes me a while and get repentive and then hear the Lord speak to me but we have a responsibility to represent the Lord as his daughters all that the Lord encompasses he wants us to encompass and to be an example of in our life examples not only in the way that we speak but also in the way that we behave in the way that we conduct our lives in private you know, it's, it's those moments in private when nobody's looking, but God is always attentive. He knows um, what's going on inside of our hearts and inside of our minds and inside of our homes. Um, our actions, our responses, they're all things that the Lord wants us to be aware of. And he instructed Paul to write this down to the Philippians and so also that we would have it in our lives today. And Paul knows about opposition. We see in all the books that Paul has written, we've seen so many times that he has come into opposition with kings and with rulers, with other believers, with people who think they're believers or they're saying that they're believers, but they're really not. Even Amongst believers, he's had difficulties and conflicts conflicts with, <clears throat> but he knows that our enemy is real. Sometimes we think our enemy is one another when we can't get along with each other, but there's an enemy that's out there that's seeking to devour Christians, to devour what our witness is. And Paul wants to remind us, hey, pay attention know what's out there, and know how you should be answering to these conflicts. 
He knows that uh, there's conflicts. He knows that there's conflicts not only in the outside world and in our governments and in rulers and things like that, but he knows that there's conflicts within. He knows that there's discord. And that's what the enemy wants to do is to stir up discord in the house of God. And we need to be aware of it. We can't be ignorant. You know, the Bible tells us not to be ignorant. We can't run around in life, you know, in our Christian little bubbles and act like, oh, everything is so wonderful and everybody loves each other. No, we know that that doesn't happen. Even within our homes, we can have um, Christian husbands or uh, friendships, and yet the enemy is always seeking to go in there and to kill, rob, and destroy, as Melanie was saying. The enemy is real. And so Paul gives us this exhortation to listen, to stand fast. And so what do we do? You know, when we're honest and we just say, yeah, conflicts are going to happen. We're not going to escape conflicts in life. We're very much aware, um, even Melanie was sharing this, we're very much aware of what's going in our, our world right now, whether it's in the United States, whether it's worldwide. And then it just seems like the whole past few years has just been one gigantic conflict, you know, one thing after another after another. And just when we think that maybe we're going to be free, something else comes along and and we're trapped inside of our homes again, or we're not allowed to fly here, we're not allowed to do this and that. There's just conflict after another and disagreements and arguments within our countries. There seems like I was thinking about... um, Like, it seems almost like we've been able to live in gray matter for so many years. You know, like the whole world is like, eh, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but nobody's really bothering this group over here. Nobody's bothering that group over here. We're just kind of like figuring out how to to live together. But nowadays, there's such uh, such a stark contrast between what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, what is of the world and what is of the word of God. That contrast is really making itself known in our world. There's increasing opposition to all things that are biblical, that, you know, you try and put your children in school, you go into your workplace and you're inundated with having to behave a certain way now and having to speak a certain way. And even if it goes against your beliefs, what are you supposed to do? You know, there's conflict there between what does God's word tell us and then what is the boss saying to us? We have to obey God. Remember, they said, uh, we have to obey God rather than man. And sometimes God is going to say, hey, you need me more than you need that job. And that's not an easy thing. I'm not saying it lightly. But that's why we have to be on our knees. That's why we need to be praying to the Lord to say, how can I best serve you? This is so opposite of what your word is saying, Lord. This is so opposite of what you're teaching us and what you are exhorting us to. So how do I work? And how do I send my kids to school? How do I do it? Only God can give us the answer. And it's going to be an individual answer. Everybody in this room can ask him the same question. But he created us equally, but he also created us individually. And so what he has for one may not be for another, but whatever it is, he's going to give you that strength. He's going to give you what you need to be obedient to his word. 
Um, our children, I mean, goodness gracious, we need to cover them in prayer. Our grandchildren, they need to be covered in prayer. And as we teach them, as we're able to, to speak truth into them, we have to remember to do it in love. You know, it's easy to just say to our kids, oh, they're wrong. Oh, they're stupid. Oh, people who are saying that. No, but we need to make sure that we're doing it in humility. We need to make sure that we're teaching our children God's truth, but we're teaching them in love. Because the last thing we want for them to do is to face a conflict in their classroom or with their friends or with their teachers and just blurt out everything that we have said. In our households, that that isn't quite true, you know. And a lot, you always know that our kids repeat us, right? And um, our grandchildren repeat what we say. So we need to be careful in teaching them and growing them in the Word of God that we do it in that spirit of humility and that spirit of love. There's so much mocking and hatred towards all things that the Lord is teaching us these days, and we have a choice. You know, God never leaves us without a choice. Um, He made us with free will. And so when we encounter conflicts in our life, we have a choice. How are we going to respond to it? You know, are we going to run away from it? Are we going to try and pretend it's not really there? They say like that elephant in the room. No, pretty soon that elephant, elephant just like takes over and you have to confront it. For me, like I said, um, You know, quite a few things have happened in this last month, and I usually just get really, really mad, you know, like really, really angry and spout off and cry and talk to my husband or my child about like how unfair life is and this isn't good and that's not bad. And then it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) really? Like, who am I to be saying this, that, um, that life is unfair? And then thankfully, the Lord grabs a hold of me and he says, Margie, come on, let's get real. You know, let's get back down to where you need to be. Um, Matthew 5.44 tells us that we need to pray. We need to pray when we face conflicts. We need to pray um, for our enemies. And not only do we pray for them, but what did Jesus say? We're to love them. We're to love our enemies. And the only way that we can love our enemies is when we are so filled with the Holy Spirit that it's Him that's working in us and through us and enabling us to do those things. Prayer turns our thoughts back to the Lord, the one who's above all and the one who knows all. When we entrust the conflict to the Lord, we take our hands off of it. I don't know about you, I love to think that I'm the solver. You know, nothing in life is going to get solved unless Margie Stewart solves it, you know. And it's hard because I think we're, we're made to think as women that we're the problem solvers. I mean, that's one of our titles in life. And, and we can't be problem solvers to all problems. And so we need to learn to take our hands off of this situation and then surrender it to the Lord. And I had a situation um, just a couple weeks ago, and the Lord's like, why are you trying to figure it out, Margie? Why are you trying in all your strength to make something happen that's not going to happen? And so I was like, all right, Lord, I am totally going to be a good Christian and I was surrendering this to you and I was kind of proud of myself by the end of the prayer that (laughs) I surrendered it to him you know and then evil Margie comes in and it's like oh well you surrendered it so now God is going to bless you and make it work out to your advantage no (laughs) came back came out worse you know and so 
what is it when you surrender something? I mean, you just give it. You just give it to the Lord. You give the conflict to the Lord and you say, I can't. And he says, I know. You know, he gently reminds us that we can't always solve the problems and we hand it over to him and then we don't take it back. Trying to take it back is sometimes one of the hardest things. Surrendering in the beginning can be easy, but then to say, I'm not going to take it back is one of the hardest things, at least for me. Um, Let the Lord show us what to do. In the book of Nehemiah, um, Nehemiah was dealing with conflict from without wasn't dealing with the conflict from within, but with those on the outside. He set out to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem, and there were those people around that weren't very happy about that. Sambalot was one of them, and he, um, he was interfering with the work that Nehemiah wanted to do because he was fearful with the rebuilding of the wall, and then Sanballat wasn't going to have control over that area anymore. And so conflict arose. And um, he and his little friends, they ridiculed, they mocked, and they tried to break the spirit, not only of Nehemiah, but those that were helping him build the wall. And how did Nehemiah respond? Did he just throw down his hammer? Did he say, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm going to stop building because I can't stand this. And not only am I down, but all the workers with me are also not feeling it. But no, he kept busy with the rebuilding. And, but even though he was building, he was still aware of the enemy around him. He wasn't in la-la land. You know, he knew what, what he could face. He was prepared for an attack. And how do we prepare for attack? Through God's word. God's word gives us the answers. God word, God's word shows us how we stand strong against the enemy. They were ready to proceed at all times, however the Lord might lead them to proceed against the enemy. They prayed and they put their hearts into the work. And I think that's so important that even as we see so much conflict in our world, so much things coming against us, we put our heart, our whole heart into the work of the Lord, not half-heartedly, but everything that he's given to us, we do with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. They prayed. They weren't ignorant of what the enemy was capable of doing, but they weren't focused on what the enemy might do. They were focused on what the Lord would do, what the Lord was doing, and what the Lord can do. We don't want to let conflict interfere with the work of the Lord. If God is calling you to do something, if God is calling you, there is such a talk, and this is not meant to you know, put one decision against another. But you know what? We're not all going to be able to put our kids in private school. Not everybody can homeschool. Some children have to be in public school. And if that's what God is calling you, then you stay steadfast. You stay firm in his word. And don't be so focused all the time on what the enemy is trying to do, how the enemy is trying to control your child. You control your child with the word of God and through the word of God and through prayer. Don't be so focused on what's going on outside that you're helpless to deal with the situation in your own homes. Don't be obsessed, you know, with what the world is throwing at us, that we neglect what God is putting right in front of us. In Nehemiah 4.14, Nehemiah says, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight 
for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Christian life is often a fight, but we don't fight in our own strength. We fight in the might and the power of the Lord and Him alone. We're able to fight. You know, we're not weaklings. Jesus was not a weakling. Oftentimes we see a picture of him and he looks so weak and meek. And he's strong. He's very strong and powerful. And we have that strength and we have that power inside of us. But we fight for what is right. It's okay to stand up for what is right. But we don't do it according to what we know. We don't do it according to our own understanding. We do it in how the Lord is leading us. And then we can have conflict within, right? We have conflict that's without, that's with the world. But a lot of times we can have conflict within because whenever um, whenever we're gathered together, whenever we're with other people, conflict can arise and differences of opinions, friendships can be tainted. And so what do we do? Um, sometimes, again, we try to ignore it and we just think, okay, it's all right. But we have to remember, we have to wait. Is everything a conflict? Sometimes, depending on our mood, it's like we think every little thing in life is a conflict, and we want to just spend all of our attention and our time on these conflicts. And the Lord's like, it's not a conflict. Like, get over it. You know, get over it yourself sometimes. He's real with us. Um, we think differently. None of us in this room, I mean, we have. I liked what Melanie said. I, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's like, you know, what's important? What are the essentials? That's what we stick together in. But, you know, again, God created us as individuals. And we're all going to have different things in our life that we're not going to agree. But are they all that important? Do they matter in our salvation? No. And so we have to allow one another those freedoms to live their life as Christ has called them to live. Um, And don't confront everybody. Don't go up to everybody and think that what's going on in their life pertains to us. There's absolutes as Christians that we need to be like-minded in, but there's also areas where it's okay that we differ. And when we encounter conflict with one another, we pray. We pray and we seek the Lord first. We begin with prayer to see, first of all, Lord, do you even want me to address this conflict or is it something you want me to just forget about? He will show us. Maybe he wants to do something in us through that conflict, and he doesn't even want us to share it with that other person. Maybe it's just for our own good at the time. It's important in our lives that we're one with the Lord, that we commune with him, that we seek that quiet time with him daily so that we can hear his voice and not all the other voices that are coming into our heads. Um, That we stand firm. And standing firm does not mean that we go around pointing the finger at one another for our differences. doesn't mean that we go around and point the finger at everything that people are doing wrong according to our minds. And we're not called as Christian women to put out every fire that might come up. It's not our responsibility. We have to discern. We have to seek the Lord 
when do we take when do we have a part in it and when do we just stay out of it sometimes we're called to just stand back and pray and that's an important thing to do we don't always have to be in the center of conflict proverbs 19 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression i love when my transgressions are overlooked <laughs> by people i love when they're overlooked by the lord um I just have to learn to give that same grace and mercy to the transgression of others. And that's hard. We like to be the receivers, the recipients, but we don't always like to be the givers of that overlooking. First Peter 4, 8 says that love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is to cover, cover that person's sin and not talk about it, not dwell on it. But then there are times when um, the Lord does call us, you know, after we've been in prayer, after we've taken that to him and to him alone, he will show us what to do. And he says, you know what? I want you to address it. In Philippians 2, there was, um, oh, I hope I say their names right. Yodia and Sinki is what I'm calling them. Um, Both women, both believers, they both loved the Lord. They both served the Lord. But somehow in in that time, they didn't get along any longer. There was something that came up in their lives that just spread them apart and caused some kind of anger between them and a conflict. And that conflict didn't just stay within them, between the two of them. That conflict spread throughout the church. And that conflict was bad enough that it eventually even got back to Paul while he was in prison. And he addressed it in a letter that he wrote to the Philippians. And he said, you know what? Be like-minded. Don't quarrel with one another. There's enough out there. There's so many people out there that want to quarrel with us. Why do we need to quarrel with one another? You know, we need to really like think about it. Why are we quarreling? Why are we getting angry at our brothers and sisters in Christ? It was a disagreement that these two women had and it needed to be uh, brought to the attention of Paul and Paul exhorted that church to tell them to stop it, stop quarreling with one another. And I think that that's a word that God has for us too. Stop quarreling with each other. Stop nitpicking. Stop looking at every little piece of dirt that somebody else might have on their shoes, you know? When conflicts arise with one another, then the Lord shows us how to deal with it. Matthew eighteen fifteen tells us what? To go publicly with the other person's sin. No. Made sure that got on the recording. (laughs) No, we are to go privately to a person and talk with them, not to others, not even pray about it with others. We have those little prayers, don't we? Like, oh, dear Lord, just please help me to um, so-and-so offended me and I want to do the godly thing and um, address them and, and so I can forgive them and we can live happily ever after. That's gossip. You know, we, we can't, we have to stop using our prayer groups as a time of gossip and a time of spilling um, somebody else's issues in public. God says to go privately, not publicly with somebody else's issues. We are to respond in a godly way. I don't want you guys knowing things that I do. My daughter knows things about me that would put me to shame. I don't want you guys to know them. 
Marla. No. <laughs> you know, and we need to treat one another with that same love and with that same respect that we ourselves would want. Go to one another privately. And then if that doesn't work, then the Lord gives us the next step. Okay, you know, and pray in every step. Pray in every step that, you know what, okay, that didn't help, so now I'm going to bring somebody else along with me. And then it can even go as far as to bring it to the church. But we have to go step by step and step by step with the Lord, not in our own reasoning, not in our own understanding. If we allow the conflicts that come up between us to... um, to excuse gossip in our relationships and in our church, that's the devil's work. That's the job of Satan. He comes to, uh, he's the accuser of the brethren. I don't want to do his work. I've done it sometimes. I don't want to do it. But I can't just stand on my own strength. I need the Lord to help me. We need the Spirit of God. When the Lord calls us to confront conflict, he calls us to do it in a spirit of humility and love, with always with the hope of restoration. Not in that sense of we're superior than somebody else, or that we're better than somebody else, or we know more, or we're more godly than they are. It's in humility. It's in love. And then there's conflicts that, guess what? They're never going to get resolved. Unresolved conflict. In Acts 15, verses 35 to 41, this happened with Paul and Barnabas. Um, I'm going to read it real quick. Uh, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with him also. But Paul kept insisting they shouldn't take him along because he deserted them and had not gone with them for the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. So here we see this conflict caused them to part ways. And we think that in our life, like, oh, if you part ways, then that's a bad thing. But what did God do? Think of your Gospels, right? Four Gospels, and which one of them? Mark. Guess who wrote Mark? This guy. And so God will use conflict sometimes, not as a bad thing, but to disperse people, to separate people. Maybe they're too comfortable. Maybe that, you know, the Lord wants a work done over here, and if you just stayed in this place, then you would never have gone to um, plan B. Whatever it was, it was enough that that disagreement for them to part ways. But the Lord moves people on, even in conflicts, when they don't get resolved. And it's not a bad thing. Often it can be something good. Um, we can turn the page here. But the good thing about this is, back in, Tem- in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul is nearing the end of his life. And what do we see? We see that Paul calls for John Mark to come to him and to be by his side. There was not lasting animosity just because there was a conflict that couldn't be resolved. There was a love between John, Mark, and Paul. They were two men that went their separate ways, but they both continued to serve the Lord. They were both used mightily by the Lord in the work of the ministry. 
God calls us to stand firm. It's an exhortation to spiritual togetherness. He wants us to be t- together. He wants us to be united in him. And when the when Christians stand united, then the enemy, the world, doesn't have much ammunition. They're not pointing at us and mocking us. They like to mock us, but we don't want to give them uh, the, the ammunition. We don't want to give them something that they can use against us. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, How good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity and when sisters live together in unity. Aren't you thrilled like when you're raising your kids and you you find out they're all getting along together and they're not fighting? And even if it's like for 10 minutes, you're just like... Breathe all that goodness in, you know, and this is God's heart for all of us because we are all of his kids and he can't stand when we're fighting. He can't stand when we're letting um, conflicts that aren't even important come in and and take hold of our lives and then ruin our witness, not only within um, our own church body, but we ruin our witness to the outside world because it gets out there just like those two gals in the book of Philippians, you know, it got out there and they were only two women. We're a lot of women just in this room and imagine how the enemy can use conflict to ruin the testimony of God's church. Jesus' prayer in John seventeen twenty one. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. If that's Jesus' prayer, that his kids are one, as the Father and he are one, should it not be our prayer? I don't usually pray that, you know, and, and I was... Um, pressed upon my heart to start praying that way. Let our churches be one, Lord. Let our body be one, just as you are one. We have unity as believers. uh, Jesus prayed for it, and Paul exhorts us to stand together in unity and not to let our witness be something that the world can point at in shame. Um, I don't know if you guys played this, because I asked my husband, and he's even older than I am, but he didn't play this game when he was a kid. But did you guys ever play Red Rover? Okay, right? Red Rover, Red Rover, let so-and-so come over. And I just thought about it. See, this is how my head works. So I just thought about it last night. I was so excited. I was like, Jim, guess what? And I run up the stairs to tell him. He's like, what? Like, he had no idea about this game. He missed out. And so... um, It was that game, you know, where you stand on either side and then you're holding hands and you're just standing there really and gripping your hands to one another and you're like, Red Rover, Red Rover, let so-and-so come over. And they come over, but you're standing there and you're holding your your, um, hands tightly so that they can't break through, you know, and and you got them right there. And I just thought like, all right, Margie, that's a weird picture, but... um, But that's how I picture us, you know, I picture us that we're united and we're standing so firm and that we're holding each other up. And when you stand and when you are standing together, then if you start like the person next to you starts to lean, you can kind of prop them up, you know, and that's the picture that I had that um, if we're standing together, if we're standing firm in our faith, if we're standing firm in prayer and in the word of God, then nothing is going to come. And when we feel a little bit weak, rather than just 
letting our hands go and letting our friends fall through the cracks. No, we're going to hold. We're going to stand firm, and then we're going to just lift our shoulder up a little bit over here, and we're going to prop them back up. I think that that's um, a funny word, but I think that that's what the Lord was showing me, that um, we can come together. And when we come together and we stand together united with our feet planted firmly on the word, it becomes really hard for the world to break us apart. We don't want to let give the world an inch. They're trying hard. So let's purpose in our hearts to be united, to address conflict. We're, we're going we're gonna to have to address it. It, it happens in life. It's just a part of our everyday life. We have to address it, though, in the way that the Lord leads and in the way that the Word of God shows us and stand firm together as one body in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Whoops, I don't think I was supposed to clap then. Whew. Father, um, we're just so excited that we can be your daughters and all that that encompasses, Lord, and, and to know that our holy God, the God who created every plant, every tree, who just spoke things into existence, you created us, Lord. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Heavenly Father. Lord, you um, also call us to bear with one another in love. You call us to stand with one another, to keep our feet firmly planted on the word. And that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to take the things that um, you teach us, not only today, but every day as we seek you and allow your spirit to work them into our lives and show us areas, God, where we need to grow, where we need to surrender. Lord, help us when you do call us to surrender, to not ask you for it back, but to really have that trust in you that you know what's best for us. Lord, that, um, that your plans for us are good plans, Lord, that your thoughts towards us are good thoughts, Lord, and um, you've promised us that hope, and that hope that we have of all being together one day in heaven together, singing praises and giving honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.